Mean Old Lion Media presents Wardrobe Boss. Hey there, everybody. Thank you for checking out the Wardrobe Boss podcast. I'm Eliza Perilla, personal stylist and home organization coach, and I am the Wardrobe Boss. Uh, today, we're talking with Sia Amanda Chege. She is a fashion model turned children's clothing designer, but with a powerful mission. She is taking on fashion in a way that is drastically changing lives every day. And today we're going to learn how she's making a social impact in the community that she grew up in. Siamanda, thank you so much for joining us today on the Wardrobe Boss podcast. How are you? I am good, Eliza. Thank you for having me. This is exciting. I'm so glad that you're here. I know you've got lots going on, especially when you're working on really two coasts, right? With your business and with your life. You know, you've had a great career as a model and you transitioned to being a designer of organic children's clothing. Was that your plan? Please talk about how that came about. Well, so yes, I did have a great career in fashion um, as a fashion model, um, that came about because my father got ill and I needed to support my family while I was in the U.S. And um, I was I was scouted and I started working as a fashion model and this that was great. But I knew at some point that the career modeling like career was going to come to an end at some point. So I had always known since I was a little girl that I wanted to work in a career that made a difference in the world. Uh, but I never really was certain what that was. Um, the truth is that I honestly thought I would be in the healthcare, a healthcare worker. There is just something about being a healthcare worker that just felt right. I mean, I thought I'd be a nurse, a doctor, something like that. However, God had a different plan for me. Uh, when we had our first baby, my whole family was still in Africa. And so we decided to go visit and introduce the baby to the family. And that's really where my journey started um, with this I just had this epiphany that the village was so devastated at the level of poverty. Um, HIV had ravaged communities, leaving behind many single mothers who were sole breadwinners and orphans. And knowing just that it was just by the grace of God that I was not one of those women and feeling so blessed, I knew I had to do something about it. And uh, basically, that's how my mission was born. And that's how I transitioned into a social entrepreneur in children's clothing and never looked back. Like that is so inspiring to say the least. So I hear you've helped many people out of poverty, which is huge because, you know, poverty is a mental um, state of mind as well as it is, right? A natural condition. So how did you come up with a strategy to empower and employ the people in your village, especially when you live in America and they are in Africa? Yes. Um, so once I decided to follow my passion because I felt really, really uh, passionate about um, making a difference from that point on. Um, my plan was that whatever solution or direction I was going to follow had to have a sustainable angle to it. Um, I knew that besides creating an economic stability, the women's dignity needed to be restored because they were so down and they were so hopeless. And um, Handouts were not going to fulfill either of those criteria. So creating a social enterprise became my goal. When a woman is paid for her work, this I knew, she's strengthened because there's a long-term satisfaction to it. When And also for her, when you give her a handout, she's not sure about tomorrow. And uh, so the strategy was to create employment or to create a solution 
that was going to empower her in such a way that it would have a domino effect back to the community. Um, because research has shown that 90% of income earned by women, actually, they give it back to the communities. Um, so, for example, they have better meals, they have better health, they ensure education for their children, which alleviates the cycle of poverty. That was my strategy. Um, and that's why I decided to do a social enterprise. Being in the U.S., I knew my people. I knew, I mean, I was a mother. I had been in fashion, so I, was, I knew I could leverage that. Uh, with our women, I knew their artisanal capabilities, and it just came together. I was like, I can do this. This is just going to, they just, you know, this, this, is, this just came to me, and it actually has worked so far. So I know that with the baby clothing, right, that you produce, and it's organic, there's a lot of knitting involved. So is knitting something that was an artisanal a craft in your village that was really well known? Or did you train people to knit? So um, growing up in the village, um, most girls and most women when I was growing up, they kind of hand make their own clothes. Um, I grew up knowing how to hand knit or crochet or, you know, we don't have there's not a lot of money to buy new clothes. So kind of figure how to do it yourself since at, at an early age. So we don't really teach them the art, the actual art of either crochet or beadwork or hand knitting. What we do is we introduce special techniques or to finish the product uh, so that it's high quality uh, for quality, for the, uh, you know, for the market, the high-end market that mm -hmm. we sell. Uh, but in terms of how do, you know, knitting from the, from zero or crocheting, they kind of have already an idea, especially the older ladies. They've been sewing sweaters for their husbands and their children forever. Um, they've been sewing clothes for themselves, um, for you know their grandmothers. This is like these are these are. Uh, this is, this is passed down like from the grandmother. She was a little, you know, the daughter how to do the the grandchild how to do this, and then the child teaches the other child. So, um, yeah, that is. Uh, yeah, so we don't really train them. They actually, you know, the the physical, the, the immediate one. I mean, there's still some people that will learn a little bit here and there uh, who are the younger girls would now come and say, oh, this looks so cool, especially now it's becoming so cool, like to be able to knit and crochet. So you'll see them coming in to learn how to do it. Um, but yeah, our biggest part is the the special techniques on finishing. That is pretty fascinating, right? Because first of all, it's generational, which is so cool because it keeps the art going and it keeps the craft going. And I remember when I was a child, my mother was always knitting and always crocheting, right? And it just goes yeah. to show the things that we in America take for granted because now that's like an extracurricular hobby, right? It's not even something, it's not kind of out of necessity. And so I love that, um, something as simple and pure as that is still alive and well in your village so much so that you're like well I can use this and leverage it which is that's just so cool so I'm assuming that you send these do you source the product to them like let's say since you do um organic uh, knitting and sewing so you have to get the materials to them or are they already there? Um, yeah. So one of my plans um, to make, to keep this, uh, the social enterprise going and sustainable was to make sure that we were actually producing a product that could be sold abroad, 
right? Because uh, where there was a market, you know, I was thinking, who's going to buy this? Uh, because the women themselves don't have the money to buy it in Kenya. And so we decided, you know, no, to create a product that was very high end. Um, we sourced the material. We have 100% organic cottons, 100% wools from Europe, from Italy. Um, and Spain. Uh, we also do for wovens, we get our material from India and Italy as well. Um, we make all the designs here in the US, in, in New York City. Um, we have a little atelier in in the, in Brooklyn that does all like the, the markups and the, the, you know, and all the things that we need. Um, and then uh, we bring it to the women and they just sit there and put this together and uh, then they ship it back to us and we give to the clients. We do work directly with um, with desi some designers because we do a lot of private labor. So I'll give you an example. We've worked with Oscar de Renta for a long time. We go, we sit with them. They tell us what, you know, they give us their vision. We show them what we do, what we can do. We work together and create a product. And then from there, that's where we go from. Do they want organ? Do they want wool? Do they want uh, cotton? Do they want um, a, a blend or something? And then that's where, that's where it starts. That's where the production starts. Now, do the women feel really empowered knowing that they're making designs for like the highest end or even if it's not the highest end, but in the country, does that, do they feel like, do they realize like, wow, we're a part of something big and this is great because we get to do it together. Yes. And yes. In, in, you know, in, in a, maybe in a capacity, they don't really understand, you know, like what high end, like, you know, like an Oscar de Renta, or, but they know anything that they're making looks so beautiful. That's being shipped to be sold abroad, to be worn by somebody else who says it's beautiful, just empowers it, just makes them so happy. We've had some, we had privilege to bring some of the designers, um, you know, part of, you know, the designer team to, uh, to the villages. And then they tell them and they show them pictures of this little children in America wearing their clothes that they made. And they're just so excited. They, they, you know, they're really, they're, they're amazing. They really are amazing. And we do get um, people who actually buy the product and send little notes back to them, appreciating them and just like sending them pictures. And um, so I think it, it makes them, it empowers them. You know, it makes them feel, wow, this is my, my hands made this. And um, it's more than just, you know, feeding my family. It's also making somebody else happy somewhere else. That is a great source of encouragement. Now you're a mission driven company. So tell me about the mission and its accomplishments thus far. So the mission of Baby Ravi is to provide jobs, also job training within the apparel and home industry, because we now do actually, we do home as well. Um, we are currently employing more than 300 women in Kenya. This area has an unemployment as high as 40%. So we're giving women access to revenue. Not only are the lives of their children significantly being improved, but the en entire communities are being propelled forward. That is really like, that must make you feel so good. You've got to go to sleep at night. Like, you know what? No matter what's going on, at least part of my life's mission is to make people's lives better. Is that, would you say that that is true? It does. It does. I, I, I do feel really blessed to be part of something that is, that has such a huge impact in people's lives. Just the thought of, you know, there's a woman that's able to feed their child tonight because of, of an action I took. Um, there's a child who is going, never going to be 
poor. I mean, because they're going to go to school and they'll never be hungry. Um, it does feel really good. And I really do thank God for such an opportunity. I feel so privileged to be able to make to be able to be part of, you know, a big making a big difference like that. Now, is there any story that sticks out to you that is absolutely unforgettable on how BB Ravi has changed lives in the village? So many, so many. I don't know which one should I share. Um, there are just so many stories. Um, I'll tell you a story. So we had a woman come to um, our facility once, and she was so just at the edge, you know, and she was very, very, very uh, desperate because first she hadn't, she wasn't an older woman with, and then she had grown up somehow in suburbs, so she didn't grow up with an older grandma, like an older women around her to teach her the skills. Um, but she was like, I don't know what to do. You know, is there anything? Can I sweep the floor? Can I, what, what can I do? And, and um, so some of our managers were like, were talking and they said, well, she looks like we just got some kids at the orphanage. So she literally had hired, given another woman her children to bring them to the orphanage as see their orphans just because she couldn't feed them anymore. That's how hopeless this woman was. And when one of our managers put one and two, one and one together, she was like, we're going to, we have to help this woman. So they were able to get that woman, figure something for her to do then and start, you know, she started training her and she picks it up so quick. She, they, they were able to put her together, get a home for her with her children. Today, she's one of our, one of our top managers at Bebe Ravi that literally like her story every time she tells a story I have these goosebumps and she loves to share this with the women especially when they first come there and they are so desperate and she's like you have no you can't have been where I was I was literally giving up she says I could I literally didn't want to leave anymore and I wanted to give up my children and I didn't want them you know she almost like Wanted, didn't even want to have her children anymore. Just it's hard for a mother to see um, her children suffer. So we really like that. That's one of the stories that really stands out to me. Every time I go home and look at her, I'm just she's so she's thriving. Her kids are doing so well, and she's told me she's gonna die in my place. She's like, I'll never leave Bebe Ravi. I'm gonna be here forever and ever and ever. <laughs> You know, that's so (laughs) profound in so many ways because, you know, you give a person a chance and look at what some people just do with one opportunity. And Mm -hmm. and also look how an opportunity comes when you just feel like you can't anymore. I feel like there's always someone or a way that is made when people are in a desperate situation, but to see them rise to the occasion is such an impactful thing. You're like, wow, this is, look at this. Like, uh, just like you said, mm-hmm. she's thriving. Like that has got to be just so delightful to see all the time. Um, yeah. And I think uh, if I can add to that, I think one of the, one of the excitement is that having, being able to have that opportunity for, for a woman like that to come and being open, you know, she knew it was safe to come there regardless she knew that if she came there, there we will find some help for her. Um, and so that is, uh, I think, not everybody has an opportunity. They don't know where to go, right? A lot of people who are, who are who have companies, they are closed. They don't have, you know, people don't feel like I have the right resume. In Kenya, the women don't feel, I don't have the right, per- I'm not connected to the right person to get me into the into this job. I'm not, I don't know anyone who has, 
you know, connections in the company either. So that was some, I mean, that first step for her is what really encourages me because she's like, I will go. I don't care. I'm going in. I know I don't have the skills, but I'm going anywhere. And, um, this that was really exciting because I kept telling her that first step is what got her where she is today. If she hadn't come in to ask for help, we won't have she would not have been helped. And so she I tell her to go and let the other women know, like, don't don't go through this by your, by yourself. Ask for help. Like you never know. It might not be necessarily what you think you want or you can do, but there's always solutions somewhere. So Yes, I agree with that. You know, see, Amanda, this is really, um, you know, there are people who say, I want to give back. There are people who talk about, I want to do this. There are people who say, well, some of the proceeds from my designs go to this, but you really doing something so groundbreaking. And, you know, so many people talk about wanting to do this. You've actually created a blueprint, whether you're aware of it or not, that other people can actually use to do something and make a difference. And the fact that you're doing it from two different countries is really like, it really blows my mind. Like it's beyond inspiring, you know, what you did. And you even knew at an early age that you wanted to leverage your modeling career and a a high fashion modeling career too, to this, you know, most people are like, okay, I made it. I'm out. Good luck to the rest of you, you know? Um, And then on top of all of this, you open an orphanage. Please talk about that. Um, Let me tell you about the orphanage. So as I had mentioned earlier at the very beginning on the first question, um, when I went to Kenya and felt this, you know, this desperate devastation of what was happening in the village, it wasn't just the women. There were children too who had been orphaned, right? Because uh, AIDS swept, you know, this took away their parents. And so they were just orphans, like, running around. Um, and so I knew that, you know, we had started, actually, a feeding program. And when we started the feeding program, we, we just saw, like, the kids just coming in every day. And we're like, why is she, where are they going home after this, right? And the women at Beberavi would be like, oh, that's an orphan. Maybe they'll find a grandmother, too. And that just really, really, you know, touched my heart. So... I I decided to um, start a home. Um, I started a children's home and named it after my late father uh, to continue his legacy. He had a huge place in his heart for the less fortunate. Um, and we now actually at the very at current time we have 20, 20 girls providing them with a home, access to good education, and healthcare. And we have already a few graduates. We have. Um, uh, someone in medical school. We have another kid in agriculture. We have um, three other girls who are in technical schools. So it's been a beautiful journey. Yeah, that's really amazing. Now, what happens with the boys? Are the boys not a part of it because you, for obvious reasons? Or is it like a separate sector for the boys? Yes. So when we initially started, when we started, we did have boys and girls. Uh, But as they grew older, we realized that, um, well, when they're younger, they know they're they're brothers and sisters. But as they become older, it becomes a little bit of a problem. Mm -hmm. If you don't have enough, you know, you, you can't house them in a small facility. And so what we decided to do 
with that fast group is we separated next to us is a boys there's a home that's just specifically for boys and so we moved our boys to the you know they're now big boys you know like uh, grown men right and so they needed to be with other men and we kept our girls in our home and when we went to the next uh when we st- we got the next uptake intake we only decided to do to have continue with the girls and uh the neighbor the the person is actually it's a church that was um uh, that was taking boys decided to increase their capacity and started taking our boys which is which actually worked out perfectly fine that's incredible sorry sorry we do have we do have one little boy who was left at our doorstep, I mean, at our gate as an infant. And we, there's never a, fa- a parent who, or a family that ever came to claim them. So that we've, we have just adopted him. He's our little boy and he just will live with us for forever. And that's the only boy that actually stayed is in the, in our, in our compound right now. Now, do people come and say, all right, I want to officially adopt one of these kids, or there's not even a system for that or um and and do, and do you fund this all through BB Ravi because i would assume that you probably don't get private funding unless it's private donations from people that you know and that they know what you're doing yes so first there is not really a very good system for um for adopting children in Kenya uh, Kenya has made it very, very difficult because of what happened was happening in our neighboring country, Ethiopia. They were stealing babies, and mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember, but there was a yes. lot of that. Um, so they made it very, very difficult. I've had um, when our babies were very, very small. I did have people that came with me to Kenya uh, who wanted to adopt a child, but they would have to live in Kenya for six months, and there's just like it was just the, the process was really was so long, um, and then. Um, as our kids got older, um, most people who would want to adopt baby, they want to adopt them as babies, babies, not as, you know, older children. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've, you know, we came up with a, actually a beautiful program where if you want to adopt a child, you can, but in Kenya. So we have some people who educate these kids, you know, who have a kid, but they pay their school fees or they, and they exchange letters um, and uh, they follow up with each other while they are still in Kenya. Um, and then in terms of funding, um, we do have, we do get a lot of support. Um, I don't know if you know, uh, for example, this summer, we actually got a donation from our church. That was awesome. So we have church donations. We get, um, we have private funders. We have people that adopt the children, as I said, um, one-on-one. Um, yeah, so it's all private funding. That is so incredible. It really is. When you, you know, you're so beautifully dressed and statuesque. Well, when you go back home, you must be like a huge celebrity. They must be like, see Amanda, see Amanda. I mean, is that how, is that what happens when you go home? (laughs) So, you know, I wouldn't really call it celebrity per se, (laughs) um, but, uh, but, but, you know, like this really good person that feeds us, makes sure we are cool. Yes, I do have a lot of people that admire my work. Um, I have a lot of people in my village that thank God for me and pray for me every day. I mean, especially the women, because uh, because of the difference that we make in their lives. Um, so I don't really like to call it a celebrity status, but uh, I think it's more of like uh, some great partnerships. I'm a really good partner with the women in Kenya. 
Now, does the rest of the community see what's going on and are they supportive? Because I would think that could go either way. Either the rest of the community is supportive or it can be dangerous. So initially, when we started, it was a little dangerous. Um, we want, we were working with women, right? So we're, we're empowering the women. The women are, you know, they want to take control of their lives, they take control of their of the money that they make and use it the way they want. They want to pay for their children's school fees or buy food. And if there were women who were married to men who had no jobs, um, if they couldn't get a hold of that money, we we had a little quite a bit of a problem with some of the women being um, being experiencing uh, domestic violence as the men came to take the money from them. Um, and then we started a system where, you know, we started mobile banking where the women never really got paid every Friday or whatever. It was never direct cash. Um, and they would just go home and say, well, we haven't been paid. But what they would do is they would just take the money. And we would not, we, we would pay directly to the mobile. So like the mobile phones, phone, uh, phone system. And they would just pay directly to either the school or the, or the supermarket. Or, so they were not really carrying cash with them. And so that was at the beginning because they were not really sure. And I guess I think the women were also going like, hey, this is great. You know, they were talking a little too much and excited. Today, oh, and then, and we, it was only women. We had no men. Today is different uh, because they have seen what the women can do, have been doing. Like, I, I think at the beginning, they didn't think, know exactly how the women were going to handle this. You know, they're the, they're the ones who are earning. But they've seen how communities have changed, right? There's a story that they say all the time. There are no more, um, there are no more uh, burglaries. You know why? Because all the boys, all the kids are in school now. Um, usually, it's no hungry boys, you know, girls running around terrorizing communities because the mothers have made sure that they're well-fed and they're in school. And so I think the community has now, over the years, embraced us and they encourage us and actually protect us now so but it, it's been a journey yeah it's so nice to hear that come full circle and that's why I asked you know I, I thought of all those things that like this might happen and that might happen like it's it's not without huge risks right trying to put yeah. this into place what you have but the fact that you're on the other side of it in fact you've come full circle like what a victory that is right that you've come full circle with this. And, you know, I've asked you everything except about the actual organic baby clothes. So can you please talk about that? Because they really are, um, they're like classic baby clothing, those things that you want to keep forever and pass down to the next baby. And you don't want to give it away to someone else who's having a baby. So talk a little bit about the designs and the actual clothing of BB Ravi itself. Yes, so our our little sweaters, our heirlooms. I mean, I hear stories of mothers who are like, I, but you know, I passed it on to the younger one, and now I'm holding it for her, for her, for my grandchild because they last so long. Our material is very, very good, and our styles are very classy. They're what are they called? Like, um, you know, it's like the the, the styles that really never go out, right? Um, and. Uh, Oh, so and our and our, we bring our yarns as, as I said we bring our yarns from Italy. So this it's like wool that stays together, right? Uh, we bring organic cotton that kind of just holds really really well, and uh, so everything we make is one of a kind because it's hand knitted by a different woman. Everything we make 
comes with so much love, both and whoever buys it also has a lot of love. I feel like, you know, as you wear it and you feel the warmth of, you know, you've made a difference. So not only does the woman who makes it, you know, get really excited about it, the buyer also feels I've had an opportunity to make a difference, right? Because people want to make a difference. The people want to do good. They just don't know how. So we're giving them an opportunity to like purchase this sweater that is so cool. It's like just really not another you know, just, you know, soapstone or something like that. Not, not that there's nothing wrong with it, but this is functional. It's durable. It's beautiful. And it gives back. So it's just a win-win situation. And, you know, I really like that you said, right, above all of that, that they make it with love. And let me tell you something. Yeah. I know that that really makes a difference. Sometimes this may sound really silly, but if I'm not having the best day and I go into a Starbucks or you know, whatever, a Chipotle. And I say, can you make me whatever I ask them? And can you make it with a little extra love? And sometimes I get weird looks. And sometimes a person is just like, they just get me. They just look at my face like, I got you, girl. And they'll just say, I got you. And it really makes a difference when whatever someone's serving you, whatever it is, but that they do it with love, it makes a huge difference. And you never know where someone's at. So this has been one of the most inspiring podcast that I've had on, on the whole in season one and season two, like I've had some amazing stories, but this is so far beyond because you've incorporated so much. And, you know, in New York, there are so many, some of the coolest designers right now, whether it's street designs or whatever it is, but a lot of African designers are coming out like crazy and they are on the market and they are making an impact. And it's so nice to see, and it's so nice to support, but you've, you know, you really um, have taken it to another level. Have you ever thought of using this model for people who want to change their villages or communities, or have you been approached about the model that you used? Absolutely. Absolutely. I have, my model has been so successful and um, I'm actually currently with talks with an organization um, that works in Africa, about 26 countries in Africa, training leaders in marginalized communities. And they want to bring impact, you know, economic impact projects in those villages. And so they, they've asked, can you look at these people? Can you, can Baby Ravi be replicated? In this, uh, in our communities, and I say absolutely, absolutely. Um, it is, it is very doable. Um, it is on, you know, with the love for people, just knowing what the, you know, figuring out what they do, you know, and then taking what they do to the next level, and just um, adding that story, you know, like the st story, you know, in terms of product, story is so important today, and so many people really want to make a difference. So, I mean, a lot of like conscious buyers now, I know they're looking at a product going like, you know, asking themselves, why am I buying it? What is it about it that stands out, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the the way to stand out as a as a designer is to show compassion. Is to, is to not only like, you know, like make sure it's like fair trade, you know, it's, you know, if it's, you know, there are those uh, sustainable and social enterprise um, aspects that you have to include, like, for example, make sure, you know, people, 
are being paid fairly, right? It's not it's not sweatshops. Yeah. Um, so um, it's a model that can be replicated anywhere, and I, I love talking about it, especially to designers who want to do something like this somewhere else. Um, I think that's sort of my exit strategy in uh, Beberavi. I feel like that's what I will end up doing, just teaching designers how to make to put this together in any community they want to to um, to affect change. That is, that's pretty incredible. I mean, it's beyond incredible. Now to bring this full circle, what is the meaning behind Bebe Ravi? Aha, uh-huh. so Bebe Ravi, yes, the name, the name Bebe Ravi is French. It's actually Bebe is baby and mm-hmm. Ravi is, it's delight is Bebe Ravi. When I started the company, um, I lived in, in Canada and um, in Montreal, and it's very French. And I wanted to um, make a beautiful. I thought I looked at the the pieces of we first made, and I had in mind, and I was like, "Oh, this is so delightful and so baby, you know." And uh, so baby Ravi came to being, and that's what we are. See, Amanda, um, I'm so elated that you agreed to come on the podcast. But for you to talk about everything. It's really beyond, again, you hear about it, but to hear you actually break it down from inception, from an idea that you had, from your culture, from your childhood, from your past, from wanting to make a difference, for having a social mission in your heart and bringing all these things together to this, to this is where, this is what people want to do. And you're right. This is what designers want to do and people just don't know where to start. And I really love that you said, you know, about being conscious about what we purchase, right? Because there is a consciousness, there is a shift there, there is a changing Mm -hmm. there. Um, Even I, and I, I won't name it, but one of the, in fact, I think one of the top three, definitely one of the top three luxury brands, I decided... I don't want to buy anything from them anymore. And it's for a personal reason. I used to work for the company. So I see how the company operates and I just, I just don't agree with their practices and I kind of really don't respect them. And, you know, I have a bunch of handbags there and I was like, oh, I'm going to sell them. And I was like, well, I don't need to sell them. I bought them and I bought them way before I worked for the company. So it doesn't matter. But I just, and I'm not saying they don't donate millions of dollars to causes. It's it's a difference when your heart is in it and you donate it and you just donate it to show that you're donating. So well, anyway, that's that part is really not my business, but it's just a personal decision I made, and um, and I feel good about that because I do want to, I do want to be conscious where my dollars are being spent, and I do want to support people like you who are really not just saying you want to make a difference, but you're making a difference in a huge way, in a way that's almost unfathomable. And I have such a great deal of respect for you for that. And I just thank you so much for sharing it. And please tell everybody where they can find these amazing, beautiful, timeless, high-end baby, uh, organic baby clothing um, that really, really leaves, I don't know, do you say a footprint? But it leaves a you know, you're helping, you're helping women, you're helping babies, you're helping a community, you're helping part of a country. Like that's a huge deal. So please Mm -hmm. tell everybody where they can find you, where they can buy Bebe Ravi and how they can support what you're doing. So um, you can find us on 
uh, our website is www.bebaravi.com. Uh, we also are on Facebook uh, and Instagram. Um, and we do have a Shopify site um, on at uh, Baby Ravi. Uh, site um yeah and you can reach us out uh, you can reach out to us from any of that of the social media um platforms and we can get back to you um you can support us by visiting us loving our product sharing our story with others and we actually do a lot of private labels so you know partnerships we do do a lot of collaborations so if there are designers out there that want to you know add a social enterprise uh, entrepreneur part of to their business, a corporate social responsibility uh, in, in their brand, they can always reach out to us. And if people want to reach out to you directly because they have a question or want to make a donation or whatever, where can they find you? Is it the same place? So if they want to make a donation to their orphanage, it's uh, www www.chegevillage, um, C-H-E-G-E, v-i-l-l-a-g-e dot o-r-g uh, but my email address is very easy it's just my name siamanda s-i-a-m-a-n-d-a at babyravi.com and if anybody reached out to me with any questions there i could totally direct them to wherever they wanted to go thank you again for being here this is siamanda chege she is i mean really a pioneer on how um, a designer really makes an impact, not a difference, but an impact on the world. And we just thank you so much for your contributions. And again, thank you for coming here and sharing your experience. You really like lit a fire in me of just, you know, do whatever I can, right? Sometimes people just have to, where they are, they don't have to try to follow your exact thing, but where you are, how can I make a difference today? And sometimes that's good enough, right? Sometimes that takes you to the next thing. But I thank you again for sharing. I thank you for being here. And everybody, you know, feel free to join in this conversation by commenting on Instagram, on Wardrobe Boss at Facebook, on Wardrobe Boss Podcast on Instagram, and Wardrobe Boss at Instagram, or wherever you hear your favorite podcast. Bring your friends, your boss, your mom, your sister your book club. I mean, this is right. We're here for a conversation. It's not just me and my guests, but we want you included in the conversation. So feel free to join in. Thank you for listening again. See Amanda. Thank you so much. Um, remember it's Bebe Ravi, B-E-B-E-R-A-V-I on Instagram, on Facebook. They have an orphanage. If you want to this is not a commercial, but if from your heart you want to donate, you want to be part of something big, well, come on and get in it and be a part of it and do something today. I encourage you to do that. Uh, see, Amanda, thank you again. And this thank is Wardrobe Boss signing off. Thank you, guys. Wardrobe Boss is hosted and produced by Eliza Perilla. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Find the Wardrobe Boss podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Wardrobe Boss is a mean old line media production.